0: Hi, and welcome to the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast and under the time it takes to commute to work. We're back. My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And it's been, gosh, at least a month since our last, yeah, our last podcast. There's been a lot. We'll have an after dark about uh, what we've been doing. Uh, but for today's episode, we want to go ahead and review Mission Impossible, number six. Yeah. Your mission. Should you
1: choose to accept it? I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming, and the blood will be on your hands.
0: The fallout
1: of all your good intentions.
0: And that's from the trailer from Mission Impossible Fallout. Well, Nathan. We've, we have saw this separately. Yes. Uh, and I've seen it twice, actually. Excellent. I haven't had a chance to get back into the theater. Um, but uh, I'm curious. In a couple minutes, spoiler free, what did you think? I think
1: Mission Impossible has become the defining action franchise of Hollywood. And I think they did it again. What do you think that? They have become a staple of good action sequences, decent story, um, good editing in those sequences. A lot of times you'll see action movies that just fall apart because you don't understand what's happening, who's doing what, um, and their their technique is really flawless. And also they have a few uh, good-looking stars, of course, and... They really just kind of have this, this system down that they've kind of figured out, and it works very well. Like, it has just enough story to keep you interested, um, and it also has just enough crazy stunts to uh, boggle your mind. <laughs> and it, it works really well. Like, it's, it's just that simple. Like, they have a decent story and really good uh, action scenes. And they're always kind of different. Like, their set pieces are always different. They don't really repeat themselves. Um, so you can always expect a new, fun ride. Um, some explosions, not as much as, you know, some felt bankers. Uh, but it's it's always, like, exactly what you expect.
0: So consistency... Yes. ...is the, the name of this game. Well, I uh, I enjoyed it. I think the longer... It's been since I've seen it, the more questions I have in my head about how how good is it? Am am I just like riding a high of that was insane? I can't believe I just saw that uh, for most of these movies. So for uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, I I really, really enjoyed it. To this day, I'm not super sure why. Uh, the, The plot is vague and indiscernible at times as i think it is with almost all the movies except for maybe the first one which is more of a almost a film noir yeah it's uh, it's
1: more what i classify as like a a drama thriller it's not really action almost at all
0: right yeah i definitely would say like an espionage thriller Mm -hmm. yeah and it it has a, a lot of tropes from older films and uh, it, it really has changed over the years, and I think they've definitely... To be fair,
1: that was 22 years ago, so... I know,
0: that's that's crazy. So let, let's talk... Um, spoiler-free still, let's talk about Tom Cruise's career. Like, that seems... It seems improbable that he would be in his mid-50s, and one of the, I think, still favorite action heroes, superstars of... Of Hollywood in America today like that it's it seems insane and to carry a film franchise for over 20 years
1: I don't know what he drinks in the morning but it works I think his career has actually probably gotten better as the years have gone on like a lot of people kind of fizzle out and you know he's had some like he does have flops like the Mummy.
0: Oof! Did you see it?
1: I did not, just because Lucky I you. couldn't. I couldn't bring myself. See, to I'm a spend... sucker for
0: the the Mummy franchise. I it couldn't. Like I couldn't
1: bring myself to spend money. I just found my copy of the original Mummy with Brendan Fraser and rewatched that.
0: Actually, Brendan Fraser. We should talk about that sometime. He's coming back, and he's something really? sounds really interesting. All right, that's an aside. But, I, t- I think yeah. Tom Cruise has kind of figured out how he fits into films for the most part. Um, he doesn't do as much. Uh, I think he's far pickier about what he does, uh, which is fine. Like He's getting older. He's got more than enough money to do whatever he wants. Uh, so he can be pickier. I think the Mission Impossible franchise is one of those series that continues to improve. Uh... Because of its self-awareness. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it gets like, hey, we're self-aware, ha, ha, ha. And then it just kind of deteriorates into, like, a big inside joke. Those exist. Those moments exist within uh, Mission Impossible. Like, we all know that there's going to be this absurd thing that Tom Cruise does. Whether it's hang off of a plane or make this ridiculous jump or whatever. Um, and, and yet, like, the thing that really does hold it together is because not of the 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 inside wink wink uh the inside knowledge that everyone has like hey this thing's going to happen because it always does but because it is it is creative like it keeps reinventing itself even though it knows what it is Mm -hmm. like you said earlier um it has fit into the summer blockbuster action flick better than most movies there's nothing like it anymore i mean jason Bourne is long gone done uh james bond is probably the closest thing but that even takes itself maybe too seriously compared to the Mission Impossible franchise. Thoughts? I
1: would agree, for the most part. Um, I, think, I think that um, the way that they've kind of successfully done that is because they, they play the, the threat to our current fears, so they make it apropos. And then there's one character in particular who I believe serves the purpose of, like, poking fun at the goings-on. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's Simon Pegg. And it's great because he, he has these moments in the middle of every film that he's in this franchise. And it's kind of like, how did you get here? How did How did this? Why are we doing this? And then, you know the audience kind of laughs and then everything carries on and instead of the whole movie really becomes selfing the self-aware sorry mm-hmm. um i think using a character to point out some of the funny bits yeah. we're really um, going
0: to do xyz right
1: <laughs> and the audience is like
0: yeah watch them yeah. you know
1: and then you do right. and i think it works out very well because it kind of makes the audience kind of an active participator um in in that and they kind of identify with the characters that are in the situations because the characters are like, this is crazy. Like they admit that they don't think it's like too serious. Like, and I think that's the difference with like you were saying, James Bond, like if James Bond were hanging off a plane, it would be like the most insane thing ever. And everybody would have been like, Whoa, dude, like, you know, so it's regular Tuesday, but I'm glad you made it. And Simon Pegg is like, Oh my Lord. I just, I can't watch. And then he tells everybody else, don't watch. I I find it best, you know? (laughs) I I think it's more
0: investment. Let's get into spoilers here. We're we're a few minutes in, and I want to kind of talk about um, the the action of the franchise. This film in particular, Fallout, has some crazy action set pieces. Uh, And I want to talk about the director, Chris McQuarrie, who is the first to return Mm -hmm. to the helm uh, as writer and director of This film as well as Rogue Nation, which we mentioned earlier. So, uh, spoilers starting right now. So, I think the the biggest thing about... The the most attractive thing about this franchise is the realism. Mm -hmm. Like, what other movie doesn't use green screen special effects to have their main actor jump out the back of a plane and parachute down into Paris? who 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 spends time learning how to fly a helicopter so he can fly a helicopter for a scene no one else does and so i nope. think since we know one of the biggest winks to the audience is we all know that tom cruise is actually doing this and so there do there it feels like stakes we know like he 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 lives right but there are stakes it feels like it is so yeah, much yeah and more i think visceral.
1: I think this franchise has done a really weird thing, whereas instead of using a fantastical situation to give you stakes for the real world, mm-hmm. because they use the behind-the-scenes so well, they give you real-world stakes to apply to the fantastical situation. Yeah. And so in those moments of him piloting the helicopter you know, through what is actually the mountains of New Zealand, uh, they didn't do it in Nepal, right. um, you're instead of feeling for the character that he might crash you're sitting there going oh my gosh Tom Cruise did that in a helicopter alone that's insane mm. and like you feel for Tom Cruise in that moment and they use that in such a way that you know you can put that feeling onto the character and it, it keeps you engaged even though you, you completely know that this is fake yeah. and like they, they do it in a, in, in a good enough way that you can apply those emotions to the movie. So they really do kind of have this figured out. Um, and it doesn't really take you out like you would expect. Yeah. Like, because your mind is used to it, you just, you move through it, and you don't even really notice sometimes. Yeah, I
0: think it all started back in the fourth one mm-hmm. when you- It the was Burge the Burj Khalifa. Khalifa. Yeah, and that moment when everyone found out that he actually hung out on the outside of that building at like a thousand feet mm-hmm. and did all the stunts um i think one respect everyone's immune she's like there's no way like props awesome can't wait to see it in in the film you see it in the film and you go it's so good it looks fake but you know because we know it's real we have this like empathetic emotional response of oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh uh and i don't i mean i don't feel about that i don't feel that way about like uh Characters whom I, whom I uh, really enjoy watching and and have fallen in love with, like in uh, Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't I didn't cry. I mean, I know some people did cry. My wife, I love you, dear. Uh, I I didn't. I just didn't feel like the stakes were all that interesting because every single thing I saw was a green screen. I could tell. Like I could just tell it was all fake. Uh, and that's disappointing. And, and then I get into this film where I know nobody. Nobody's going to die. Like, no characters are just going to get axed off at the end. Um, and, and yet, I am so much more interested in watching it mm-hmm. unfold. Uh, that being said, I think the plots are a little, little bit loosey-goosey. I had no clue at any given point who actually had the plutonium, why, and what they were doing with it. Like, at the beginning, I was like, okay, we don't want this group of people to have it. Da And then they exchange exchanges hands like three or four times throughout the rest of the film. At any given point, I didn't know, but I also didn't really care. Uh, which maybe is a shortcoming of the script, uh, myself. To but- be
1: fair, Matt, either I completely missed something, or, like, I think I did kind of understand where the plutonium was, and I don't know why. It might have been that I just thought that i knew but like i think i did i never got distracted by that or noticed that it was interesting i don't know
0: or maybe i am just a dumber movie goer that's what you <laughs> the smile on your face is saying i love you matt <laughs> all right um I, I i for the most part i don't i don't think it truly matters mm-hmm. you're not there to figure out Wait, who's got the plutonium? Oh my gosh, they got the plutonium. No, it's a it's a
1: classic film MacGuffin.
0: Right. It is a thing that we gotta chase these guys. And you're there for the whole like unfolding of the chase. You're there to see Tom Cruise do some crazy crap. You're there because of the jokes that they they have as a team. They feel like a family. Uh, I know there's that ongoing reference in the Fast and the Furious movies about like, hey, we're all family, and that's why we do these things. Uh-huh. Um but I really do think that this team feels more cohesive and more family-like than any of the other films that I've seen in a big, big blockbuster summer movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And I think a lot of it is because
1: um, these days in movies, you have, a lot of, you have a lot of really imperfect characters. Like everyone has to have a flaw and you know everybody nobody is altruistic anymore Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of in it for themselves and mission impossible has some elements of that like ethan clearly has character defects but his are the classic hero's character defects he cares too much about his friends Mm -hmm. he can't stop sacrificing himself to save the world you know (laughs) like oh no wow it's a shame we have this guy on guard duty um I, and a lot of I, I
0: swear of, if the if Tom Cruise ever stops doing these, they're going to just uh, cast the Rock because that's exactly the same right. thing that he does.
1: And it, yeah, and see that's the thing is that like instead of pitting the team against themselves, like a lot of mm-hmm. movies do these days, because there's infighting and like you know you're fighting out secrets about your people. This is one of the few fa- franchises really now that I think about it that has the team is actually cohesive. They don't. They don't get. There's no um, backstabbing. They don't get mentally separated or, like, relationally separated. Right. They get physically separated, and then they win, mm-hmm. you know? it's And it's a very different kind of um, inter-team uh, dynamic than a lot of current movies these days. And I think that's partly on it, purpose. It is
0: inherently optimistic, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, let's talk a little bit technically a- about cinematography, because I think... St- this film is the most beautiful to watch of the entire franchise. Uh, there's just a lot of sequences. that The, the halo jump. That is probably sunset. my
1: favorite, favorite scene of the movie is actually the halo jump. It is
0: incredible. Uh, the whole time I was thinking they had to do this at sunset. And apparently they had to do it like eight different nights because they wanted to get it right. And horrifyingly enough, I think they matched it in much of the background. Uh, from what I was listening or reading to recently.
1: Yeah, the unfortunate thing about it, and so they actually did halo jumps, which I might be quoting some numbers wrong, but off the top of my head, it's from something like 50,000 feet. Mm-hmm. You're insanely high. You are very high. Because there I don't is know, no atmosphere.
0: 50,000 is right, but yeah.
1: Uh, you're, I do know that you're above the height of a normal cruising altitude, which is like 30,000. Um and so you have an oxygen tank, and so the camera operator and the actors actually did this with oxygen and actually did Halo jumps. Uh, 30,000 feet. Okay, yeah. Oh, eh, well, I exaggerated. You can't breathe. You're jumping out of a plane, mm-hmm. and basically you're free-falling for most of this distance. Uh, Halo stands for high-altitude, low-opening. So you don't pull your chute until the last second, and he didn't lie in the movie. Like, if you miss it by a few seconds, it's kind of over. Um... So, they actually did that. And I can I can understand matting things in because you're never going to be in the same exact spot. Right. You're never going to be, you know, pointing the same exact direction and you're never going to be falling the same exact way every time. And so, like, even the fact that they were able to do as much as they did is amazing. Um, I would like a little bit of semi-technical information. Um, the... This franchise is kind of one of those staple franchises for the always shoot on film movements. Mm-hmm. of, And I think J.J. Abrams is partially responsible for this because he's always been co-producing since the third one through his company, Bad Robot. And he's one of the huge proponents of shooting analog. Um, and they do for most of this movie. And you can actually kind of tell there's that texture yep. everywhere.
0: I, I saw it throughout um, the whole movie. I thought, mm-hmm. this is film. This is film. This yep.
1: is film. Um, actually the same DP as Ex Machina who shot Ex Machina digitally really yeah. interesting. Rob Hardy, um, British yeah. guy I believe uh, and he shot the entire thing with film and honestly I think they kind of underexposed it and lifted on purpose to just like really throw the grain in your face mm-hmm. um, but there's two sequ- sequences that are shot digitally um, that would be the halo jump and the helicopter sequence mm-hmm. at the end for kind of obvious reasons. Film cameras don't fit in tight spaces um, very well. They're huge and they're really heavy and they take a lot of power. And so for those sequences, I believe they um, they used Panavision digital cameras based off the RED systems, which are really small, lightweight, uh, boxes basically yeah,
0: red brains are smaller than a shoe box yeah if you never if you're not
1: familiar it's like half of a shoe box mm-hmm. so they used the panavised versions of these um for those sequences and you can tell they're very smooth clean images yeah. they feel amazing though because it's a kind of a larger format than normal
0: i did not get a chance to see this in imax apparently it's incredible Mm -hmm.
1: and instead of using the traditional imax cameras that they use for like the burj khalifa sequence and ghost protocol they use these digital cameras in those same spots that they would have normally and i think it gives kind of the same feel like i really did get kind of the the same idea going on even though i didn't see it in imax either um and you can really just like it is really just pretty to look at also one one weird thing for all my lighting buffs there's There's a style of light called a quasar these days, and it looks like a fluorescent tube, but it's actually LED, so you don't get that weird kind of greenish hue over everything, and you can get them in many different color temperatures. They're used everywhere in this movie because you can make them practicals in your scene. Mm -hmm. So inside of all of the planes, inside of all of the hallways, at night in all of the places that they shoot, there's these what look like fluorescent tubes everywhere, and I don't think there's a single scene without quasars all over it. And it was, that's just a, I don't know, if you're a filmmaker and you want a drinking game, there you go. Like, <laughs> spot the <for> quasar. Uh,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, quick fun fact. Um, Tom Cruise logged over 100 jumps for this for Halo jump scene. Um, mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, he also logged hundreds of hours in the helicopter, too.
1: He became a certified helicopter pilot. Mm. Yes,
0: for this. This uh, is insane. The move that it was called for in the script um, was something technically so difficult that even the person that was called in to help train and like supervise the helicopter stunts uh, from the manufacturer mm-hmm. of the helicopters themselves said that he did not think it was safe, nor would he try to do it. And then uh, Tom, of course, did it, it because, off. you know, because he's Tom. Uh, Though I
1: feel like the manufacturer telling him this, you can't do this, probably gave him the strength to yeah. do it. It's like, you mean this? <laughs> Watch me.
0: <laughs> so I think one of the other scenes, uh, sequences I, I, uh, that I really enjoyed um, was the, uh, it's, it's very brief and it was slightly confusing until I, I realized what was happening, but the, let's plan this uh heist out yeah and then you saw it unfolding and as soon as you see tom cruise shoot an innocent police officer you're like oh my gosh what is happening
1: i thought they were gonna have a weird character twist yeah i and was then, just like
0: this is tada, very different than a, i was expecting yeah and it was just uh no this is part of the like, we're just talking about the plan. Yeah. Like, I'm giving you visuals to the plan.
1: And I think, they, I think they wanted that confusion. I think that was entirely on purpose.
0: Yes, because they, they end up flipping the scenario mm-hmm. later when Tom Cruise But saves they have it to
1: himself. establish, like, what was expected of him. Right. And I think that was probably the best way they could have done it, honestly. Because it freaks you out. And now you're, like, on the edge of your seat, like, well, we know he's not going to do that. But also you're sitting there thinking like how would I not do that plan but still get the guy? Like yeah. how would I save him in this situation where I have all these people around me that are kind of not on my side either. And then he does what he does and you're just like oh so that's how you do it. And I, I think it's brilliant filmmaking. Yeah.
0: Alright any last thoughts?
1: Um, when are they announcing the seventh one?
0: Man I think that the ending on this is so neat. That it's, I mean, they've, re, they've given closure on his wife's storyline. I thought it was the best thing that they could have done because they keep always teasing at the end of the, in the movies. I, you're making that face like, oh, Matt, if there's money involved, they're never going to stop making them. And, and I don't disagree, but I don't know that they'll be so quick to do it if Tom is, is out. What is Tom doing next? Uh, a, mummy 14 i'm just kidding yeah. oh my yeah. gosh that, um, oh. I, I, I think that this is a a good place to end um they've given closure for most of the characters uh also one of the things i noticed throughout the film well not necessarily throughout but in moments of the film when they're doing close-ups for some of these characters uh they are they're starting to show their age like these actors and actresses are just uh, they're human beings Tom Cruise. Really? Tom Cruise arguable. is a human being? He, uh, but he's, he looks older. Um, Simon Peg, man, bless you. Yeah. Me, but, sorry. I mean, Ving Rames also, like, whenever he was running, I was like, don't have a heart attack, don't. I mean, these guys are just, they're older. They're not these people who are, you know, 30, 40 years trying to get, like, crazy good shape. Tom is in, ridiculous shape and i don't know he's not the same as every other person mm-hmm. and i think you just can't keep going forever
1: i think there will be more mission impossibles but i think they might transition to the jeremy Renner. um
0: who was not in character this film.
1: the only reason like there was not a real story reason um there was a real world reason and the real world wor- reason for this was uh jeremy runner was busy making avengers 4 so paramount couldn't get him um and I, I I, think that Paramount is aware enough of how this franchise is um, set up mm-hmm. and how the fans feel about it that if they continue it without Tom Cruise, they know that they really have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And they can follow the formula, but they need to choose wisely how they do it. Um, and I think they might use people like... Uh, Henry Cavill and Jeremy Renner to kind of continue on with kind of a younger group of people
0: and kind of, they might uh, Henry Cavill was the villain in this, if anyone doesn't know
1: Yes, our resident Superman um, He plays
0: Superman He also was in The Man From U.N.C.L.E. which I I think is underrated Uh, It was okay (laughs) He's he's a pretty good performer, he Mm -hmm. just doesn't always get the best stuff Yeah Uh, But I distinctly feel as though that they are not going to just go for the young replacement.
1: Maybe not. I don't think they're going to replace who he is. I think that they're going to kind of...
0: Do a spin-off.
1: A little bit, yeah. And maybe keep some of the older characters around as, like, the comic relief and kind of the mentor figures. Like, I think Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames, at least, will be around for a bit. Really? Um, I think so. Um, Though just looked it up tom cruise is on to uh, top gun next where he's that's flying right. actual planes apparently so you know <laughs> you can't stop this guy
0: um so i guess that's a wrap on on this film maybe the franchise i i, I don't know i i think that's a great stopping point uh if some some people are rumoring uh, i don't know if that's actually accurate that they're going to try to start go back to a tv series uh, because this is originally a TV series, so
1: I think a Jeremy Renner TV series might actually work.
0: I uh, see. I just think that it would be better with a different leading person. I mean, uh, prediction: They go with a leading lady. Prediction:
1: The uh, the atmosphere is certainly right for that. And yes, they do a great job of
0: casting and writing. Writing is going to be the kicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. All right, well, thanks so much for listening to the Projected Opinions podcast. Uh, Look for our website at projectedopinions.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all the other places. Check us out. Thanks for listening.
1: We'll see you next time.